Welcome to House to Home Podcast. It's here that we'll learn how to cultivate an eternal haven in our temporary world. So grab a cup of coffee, do the dishes, or even take a drive in your car. Whatever it is you do while listening, I hope you feel right at home. Welcome to today's episode of House to Home. I am so happy to be back with you guys. We took a short break and it's exciting to kind of be back in the rhythm of these podcasts. So thank you all for your patience and most importantly for your prayers in this time. If you follow us on social media, you know that I had an infection at the end of February that um, actually pushed me septic and I was hospitalized for a few days. It was very, very scary, and as you can imagine, um, it was a lot on my family, but I'm healing now, and I'm doing well. I'm on the mend, and I'm more than pleased to be in my own home and kind of back to the normal daily grind, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. I'm on my own today, so it's just me, and I don't have my tech man here, my husband, so it's a little fuzzy. I'm sorry, I don't know how to fix it, but I'm just going to go with it. So bear with me if the sound quality isn't as good as it normally is. He's a lot more skilled in that area than I am. I'm also doing this while I've got two kiddos watching a movie, and it's nice out, so I've got the windows open, so you will probably hear many sounds today that you don't normally hear, but if you listened to our introduction podcast, you knew that I kind of warned you that this is house to home. We do this. Um, out of our home. And so you're going to hear kid noises, maybe cries, maybe giggles. You might hear that, but I hope that it doesn't distract you, like I said before, but I hope that it makes you feel more at home. So today I'm going to be discussing daily rhythms, and this is going to be episode one of a series on rhythms. When we asked you guys what you wanted to hear about for the podcast, rhythms and daily rhythms especially was one of the number one requests, which kind of shocked me because I think a lot of us long for more structure to our days. We want to know how other people are doing it to see if we can do it better. Um, We just long for a more orderly life. Like I said, this is going to be part one of a series on rhythms. So we're going to be talking about daily rhythms today. Then we're going to go on to talk about weekly rhythms. We'll talk about how we structure our weeks, how we honor the Sabbath and how that plays into our weeks. And then we're going to be talking about yearly rhythms, what we do in the span of a year and how we can honor God in and through every season of our life. And we know that our days shape our life, that our seconds add up to minutes and those minutes add up to hours and those hours turn into ultimately our days, which ultimately turn into our life. So how you're spending your days is how you're spending your life. And so I think it's very important that we kind of look at what we're doing day in and day out. So I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think of daily rhythms. What I kind of think of is just our domestic liturgy, which is basically what my husband and I talked about in our second, I think it was our second podcast. It might have even been, nope, I think that was our first. So we talked about domestic liturgy in our first podcast. Domestic liturgy can almost be used synonymously with daily rhythms. The domestic liturgy is just The liturgy meaning the work of the people, so what we're doing in our home, because domestic is kind of our home-centered life, right? So domestic liturgy is what we're doing in our home, the structures, the patterns, 
the liturgy, the work that we're doing. And so the daily rhythm is the same. It's the habits. It's the things that you're doing in your home that hopefully are pointing you to Christ, or at least they should. Everything we do in our lives should be glorifying to God. It should be to enjoy Him. And so when we talk about daily rhythms, I'd rather talk about the non-negotiables rather than the 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. schedule that we have written down or that's in our head or that is insanely crazy. Maybe it's not even organized. Instead of talking about this is what I do at 8, this is what I do at 12, this is what I do at 9, I'd rather just talk about the non-negotiables of our day and then see how those form us. So what do we do day in and day out? Why do we do them? How are they shaping us? And then hopefully you can think on your own daily rhythm, your own domestic liturgy, and you can see what you're doing. Is it glorifying God? Is it not glorifying God? Maybe you'll feel pressed to make some adjustments. Maybe you'll get some new ideas. Maybe you'll realize, yeah, some of these things I'm doing, I'm doing consistently, and I didn't even realize it. So the non-negotiables in your own day, what are they? Think about that. I'm going to go over the non-negotiables of our days, and hopefully they will make you think, okay, yeah, I think that should be a non-negotiable in my family life, in my personal life. I think there are things in every Christian's life that they should be doing day in and day out. And then I also think there are things that we should strive to do day in and day out. I just got out of the ICU. I was in the hospital for four days, and so my daily rhythm was thrown upside down. Even being in the hospital, even being sick and bedridden, there were things that I could do that were non-negotiable to me that I would do whether I was at home or whether I'm in a hospital bed, whether I'm at work or whether I'm tending to children. There are things that I can do each and every day that shape and mold and form me and that are leading me closer to Christ. So I'll talk about kind of hard seasons as well, because I don't think our daily rhythms should just go up in the air when a hard season hits. Right now, we are still currently in our hard season. I am still recovering. We still have meals being brought to us by friends and family and church members, which I'm so thankful for. We are still in a hard season. I haven't cleaned my house. I haven't done the normal day-to-day things. But our daily rhythm still has a bit of a structure. I have two things that are very, very crucial that should be incorporated into every Christian's day as much as possible. And then I have two other things that are pretty non-negotiable as well that we'll talk about. And then at the end, I've got two more things that are kind of um, to add on to the side. They may not be non-negotiable to you, but They're non-negotiable to us, and I want to talk about why they're important in our life. So total, I have six things that I want to talk about today. And the first being prayer. When you start your day, you should start it in prayer. This is how I start every single day. And talking about hard seasons, it doesn't matter if you're waking up to a very normal day, a very, maybe it's a pleasant day, or maybe it's just a mundane day. Maybe nothing crazy is going to happen. No one's going to go into the hospital. No one's going to break a leg. Um, nothing exciting is planned. It's just a mundane day in your life. Wake up and pray. You can pray at any point in your day. You can pray when your eyes open and your head is still on the pillow. You can pray at a meal. You can pray while the kids are fussing. You can pray while you're preparing dinner. You can pray while you're in the car. And the Lord tells us to pray without ceasing, right? So there are very few times in your life where you're unable to pray. Maybe you are sedated and in the hospital. Maybe you're in a coma. Um, There are exceptions, obviously. Maybe 
you're not in your right mind. There was a time when I went septic over these last couple of weeks that I was pretty out of my mind. I was in a lot of pain. I kind of lost it there for a while mentally. And in that moment, I wasn't praying. And if I was, I didn't know that I was. So there are obviously times where we may not be able to pray. Or maybe there's times in your life you're in a hard season and you feel like you don't have the words. Well, in those seasons, I think it's very important to go to the scripture, pray the Psalms. David wrote majority of those Psalms. In those Psalms, you hear a lot of pleas. You hear, you hear his heart, you hear his pain, you hear him going through trials and hardships, his weeping and his mourning, his laughter and his joy. And so and in the times in your life where you don't know how to pray, go to the Bible, go to the Word. The Lord told us how to pray, right? He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He taught us how to pray. If you don't know how to pray, there are books out there on this. I think R.C. Sproul has a little book on it. It might be even titled Prayer. I will add that to the show notes. There's also a book that I would encourage mothers to get. Even if you're not a mother, you might be interested in getting this book. It's the Bible Promise Book for Mothers. Just look that up on Amazon or on Google, the Bible Promise Book for Mothers. In this book, you can look at the very beginning of the book. You can look up different subjects. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's how to be a gentle mother or how to be a respectful wife or prayers for healing. You can look up these subjects and it will take you to the page. And in those pages, it's going to have a list of scriptures. And there are many different books out there like this. I actually don't have this exact one, but I have, I think it's called a topical book for mothers. And it was given to me from my mother-in-law. They found it at an estate sale and I cherish that so much. It's the same thing. You can just look up certain subjects and it'll lead you to the right scriptures. And my mom had one and it's not the same as either one of these, but my mom had one when I was growing up and she would go to this book. Many times I remember If I came to her and I was sick and I had a bellyache or I was scared or fearful, she would look up in this book and hers had prayers as well. So it would lead you to a scripture and then a prayer. And I remember her praying with me and over me. And I just loved that. And now I have one of my own that my mother-in-law gave me and I cherish it. And so maybe get one of those types of books. There's different ones out there. You can find those for those hard seasons where you don't know how to pray. But we can pray all throughout the day. So in some ways that we flood our days with prayer, it's um, I start my day with it. So whether it be when my eyes wake or when I'm nursing a baby in the early hours of the morning or I'm taking a shower, I find time to pray. Um, You can also pray at mealtimes. We try to do as many meals on the table as possible for this reason so that we can pray, so that we can fellowship. Pray when a child gets hurt. I prayed over my little girl probably five different times today because she kept hurting her hand, and she wanted me to keep praying for it. And so I prayed that the Lord would heal her hand, that he would make her feel better, and that he would protect her from any serious injuries. You can pray a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking the Lord that he protected your child, that it could have been so much worse, but it wasn't. You can pray at bedtime. We pray every night before our kids go to bed. And I think we talked about this in our marriage podcast. We pray for our children 
And sometimes I'm in the separate room putting down baby boy and Mason's putting down the two girls. And so sometimes we're praying separately. A lot of time we're together as well and we're praying as a family. But we always pray over our children before bed. Unless they fall asleep in the car and we're bringing them in, we might not do a prayer. But even then, a lot of times I pray that the Lord bless them and keep them. So pray. Be a person of prayer. You don't need much to do this. You don't even need a voice. You can pray in your head. There's um, many ways and times that we can pray in our day, and I think that it should be a crucial part of our daily rhythms. Secondly is devotion. Very rarely do I ever skip this or change the time. I normally always start my day with the Word. If it's a crazy day, it may be just reading a chapter. It may be skimming through Proverbs 31 because I'm, you know, getting ready to take kids out. It may even be listening to the Bible on my phone. There's many apps that you can do that with. I try to start the day with the Bible, with the Word of God, because while we're praying, we're talking to Him, we're giving Him our requests. But while we're reading, we are receiving His Word. We are hearing from Him. We're hearing His voice. We don't know the Lord unless we're reading his word. We don't know his character. We don't know who he is unless we're reading the Bible. This is a good time of the day to put your heart in the right place. It helps you to apply the word to your day. We don't go without actual food most days, and so we shouldn't go without spiritual food either. Skipping either of these can have huge consequences. I encourage you to start your day with devotion or the word. It doesn't have to be at the beginning of the day. There are many times where I know that I need more. I need I need to be able to read more than one chapter. And so I'll wait till my kids are down for a nap or I'll wait till they go to bed. But most of the day, I am starting my day with devotion. It's good to get your kids in this habit as well. They know that mommy is reading her Bible and that they need to be quiet. They can go read their own Bibles. A lot of times they'll grab their little New Testaments and they'll sit up next to me in the chair and they'll read. Other days they're fussing, they're crying, it's crazy. And I just have to be patient and know that I'm taking this in like I do a meal. Some days I'm going to get a full course, delicious meal. Other days it might be a little snack. So those two things, prayer and devotion, are two things that I think should be non-negotiable in any believer's life. Prayer and devotion. If all else fails you in a day, If the kids are screaming and everything is just falling apart, prayer and devotion. Prayer can almost always be done. Devotion next to that can almost always be done, especially in our society today. We have the Bible on our phone. If you can check your Facebook, you can read your Bible. If you can go to the bathroom, you can read your Bible. You have apps that can read them to you. So if you're not a good reader, if you get the words jumbled or the Old Testament names really get under your skin, listen to it. So there's all sorts of options out there. Okay, the next non-negotiable. So I told you I had them kind of organized out. Those first two, I think, should be non-negotiable in every believer's day. These next ones, I also think, are pretty non-negotiable, but not as important, maybe. But we have mealtimes. I say mealtimes at the table. At least one of those meals at the table is very important. It's important to us because it makes you stop, makes you sit down, fellowship with one another, take a rest from your busy day, 
We live in such a fast-paced society that we're able to grab fast food, eat it on the go, or eat in our car. Um, we're not taking the time to make meals, to fellowship around the table, and it's sad. So many families have lost the art of sitting around the table together. And maybe you don't have a big family. Maybe it's just you and your husband, or maybe you're single. And so this is going to look different for you. I encourage you to make the most of your current season. So if you are an empty nester, invite people over or, you know, take the time to eat with your husband or eat with your wife. You had so many years where you wanted that time and now you have it, right? So make use of it. If you're single, invite people into your home, take people out to eat. We will have a podcast all on singles in the home and I'm excited about that. So you can look forward to that and we'll talk more about this in that podcast. But Use the season that you're in to the best of your ability. And mealtimes are important. So everyone's going to eat. Most days, everyone is eating, right? You're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Take that time to fellowship with the people around you. If you're single, take that time to read the Word alongside your lunch. Take your Bible to work with you. Read the Bible on your lunch break while you're eating. Mealtimes are important. Most of us don't go without eating. And so make the most of those mealtimes. Maybe consider doing dinner around the table if it's something that you don't do. Maybe that's a goal that you can have. Maybe you can't make breakfast and lunch happen, but maybe you can do dinner. We make a point to do pretty much every meal around the table. Now, when the weather's nice, a lot of times I'll give the kids a quick snack or a lunch bowl outside and they'll eat it out there. But we have a table out there that we eat around or we'll picnic. There are obvious exceptions to this. And so that's why it's not like the top of the non-negotiable to me. Most of the time, everyone is eating something. And so instead of just grabbing something on the go, maybe sit down and take that time to fellowship with one another. This is important to me also because I have little ones. And so if we do breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even snacks around the table, it makes them stop. It makes them reflect. They know to pray before meals. It's cute because my kids a lot of times will be out and about with friends or at an event and, you know, someone will give them a snack or a cupcake and they'll sit down and they'll pray for their cupcake because they know that we pray before we eat our food. And this is good. This is good to encourage them in that and to start these habits early and to tell them why. It's funny because our four-year-old, when she was about three, used to say, it's not hot. It's not hot. We don't have to pray because it's not hot. She thought we were praying that the food would get cool because a lot of times we would say, Nora, don't eat yet. We haven't prayed and it's hot. So we would say it in the same breath. The food is hot. Don't touch it yet. And she thought, oh, we pray for our food because it's hot. So that's cute and it's funny. But as they age and they get older, they will learn that we pray because the Lord has supplied this food and he supplies all good gifts. And without him, we do not have this food on our table. Mealtimes, number three. Number four, personal hygiene. (laughs) This is a funny one. It's just funny because personal hygiene, you're like, okay, non-negotiable, yeah. Well, some people might not take a shower every day. That's fine. But I think our physical bodies can really impact our spiritual bodies. We are souls and a body. We have a soul and a body. Personal hygiene, while it might be kind of a funny one to add in here, it is important. So I'm not saying you have to take a shower every day. I know those people who are every other day shower takers or you don't wash your hair for a week and you use dry shampoo. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. 
I'm talking about the fact that in some way, shape, or form, majority of us are doing some sort of personal hygiene, or at least we should. Whether it be brushing your teeth, washing your hands, brushing your hair, taking a shower, changing your clothes, whatever it is, you're doing some sort of personal hygiene. We know as Christians that the scriptures value the body, that Christ himself came as a man. In the incarnation, he slept, he ate, he had to brush his teeth, he had to use the bathroom. We know that he came as a man. And we, one day, will get new resurrected and perfected bodies. We aren't Gnostics who despise the body to focus on more spiritual matters, but rather we realize that the spiritual matters are profoundly a part of the physical matters because our souls and our bodies are intertwined. I mean, after all, we are made by a loving creator and we're made in his image. And also something that I think is neat to think about when doing personal hygiene We are cleansing ourselves, right? We are making ourselves clean. We're not basking around in our own filth. A lot of people, most people, don't like to feel dirty and stinky. They like to feel clean. And I think another thing to add in here is repentance. And you can add this into prayer if you'd like, but repentance should be a part of your daily rhythm, your domestic liturgy, because each and every day we know we're not perfect. We're going to sin, right? And the Lord calls us to repentance. He calls us to ask for forgiveness for those sins and to remember that Christ died on the cross, that he shed his blood to cover our sins, that he took our sin upon himself so that we will be righteous in his sight, so that we will be made white as snow, And so as you are doing the physical cleansing, don't ever forget about the spiritual cleansing. And there are opportunities all throughout the day to repent. So if you lost it with your kids and you didn't discipline them in a gentle way, if you were angry and you were unsettled and you were unpleasant, you were unkind, and you sinned in your anger, that's a time to go to those children and say, Mommy was wrong. Do you forgive me? If you were unkind to your husband and you spat off, if you lied, whatever it may be, there are so many times during our days that we can fall to our knees in repentance. While the physical hygiene may kind of seem like a funny one, do not forget that you are a soul and a body and that both need cleansing and that Christ came to cleanse you of your sins. So walk in that repentance, walk in that truth and in that faith, knowing that in him you are made righteous. Do not lose those opportunities. We know that soft hearts are made by being truly repentant of our sins, that if you're going along with unforgiveness in your heart, or you're going along not repenting of those sins, that your heart over time becomes hardened, hardened to those around you and hardened to Christ and to the word of God. We do not want that. So number four, personal hygiene along with repentance. And again, you can kind of put repentance up there with prayer. Those are two very important things. The next two things that I was going to add on here, these are not necessarily non-negotiables, but for our household, pretty much every day consists of these. And it's reading and fellowship. Reading because we don't like to do a lot of screen time. We're not against it. We like for our kids to play, to go outside, to use their imaginations, and to read. Reading feeds something that our phones and technology, TVs, don't. 
Reading feeds the imagination. It feeds the soul. We want our children and our family to be readers. We want them to first be lovers of the word, readers of the word. We want them to be capable. We want them to understand what they're reading. We want them to be able to pick up their Bible and to understand it. So we want our kids and our family to be reading people. Also, reading brings a sense of fellowship that watching a a movie or being on your phone doesn't. So if your eyes are glued to a show, which my kids' eyes are glued to a show right now, (laughs) they're not talking. Like you can hear little Henry in there toddling around and giggling. But Evangeline and Nora are sitting right next to each other, but they're not talking. They're sitting there and they're looking at the show and they're watching it. And I think that that's fine at certain times in life. And as long as you're using it rightly, that's good. That's fine. We have movie nights. We love them. We just had one not too long ago, and it was a great family time for us. If you're reading, those little kids are able to climb up on your lap. They're able to ask you questions, to help you turn the page, to point to something and ask. They're engaging. They're not only engaging and learning and talking, but they're also fellowshipping. They're able to sit with you and be close and be touched and cuddled. And even if you and your husband are reading, say you're reading two separate books and you're at opposite ends of the room, So many times Mason and I are both reading and we're reading separate things, but we're like, hey, listen to this quote, or hey, this is what I'm reading, and we're talking about, we're engaged. It sparks conversation that watching a show may not do. And so reading is very crucial to our family, and I encourage you, if you're not a reading family, maybe start, start simple, gather some books, think about it. Think about why, why do people read, and maybe you're not a reader. I encourage you to kind of look into that more because reading can do so much for you and for your family more than technology can. And then fellowship. And I kind of talked about that with reading, but fellowship is a huge part of our days. Um, We are not meant to go at this life alone. And so if you're single, I know that this can be a hard one and it can be something that maybe you so desperately crave, but get creative. Like I said, invite people into your life. You don't have to be around people each and every day. But don't live as a hermit. Don't get down in the dumps and play the woe is me card. Be the friend that you want to have people be to you. Go out of your way. It's hard, I know, at times. But be around people. As a single person, try to invite those people into your home. Go into other people's houses that have families. Use the time to mentor people who are younger than you. But fellowship. And if you are planted in a church, which if you're a Christian, you should be, You have the opportunity to fellowship every single Sunday on the Lord's Day. Use that time. Go to Bible studies. Fellowship is crucial. We fellowship every day. I get more than enough fellowship with my three littles, but I fellowship with my husband in the evenings as well. Um, This is why we do mealtimes around the table and why we say that so often because we find it so important to have that time together. Some last bit of advice that I want to give you guys when it comes to structuring your days is I just want to encourage you to put more thought and intentionality into your days. You don't have to be a super planner, but we should do things decently and in order. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, but all things should be done decently and in order. Christ brings order to our chaos. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We know that this is the day that the Lord has made. I think that you should have some non-negotiables for yourself. Pray about what those will look like for you and your family. Ask the Lord to show you how you can best glorify Him in your singleness or in your married life or whatever season you find yourself in. 
like I said, I'm in a hard season right now where my daily rhythm and my domestic liturgy is all topsy-turvy. It's turned upside down. But there are things that I can fall back on. And those things are the non-negotiables. Those things are prayer. Those things are my Bible reading. Those things are my mealtimes, my fellowship with my children, repentance. Those things are things that are pointing me and leading me to Christ. And so though my whole daily schedule may be thrown upside down, though I may be forced to rest, I can still be an obedient Christian following his word each and every day. And I think being a little bit more intentional about these non-negotiables helps us to do that. Because ultimately, how we spend today is how we are spending our lives. In the waking and in the rising, in the pain and in the joy, in the boring and in the thrill, it all has a purpose. And we should live like we believe that. So remember that your life is formed in the small quotidian moments. This month's giveaway is brought to you by Yours Truly House to Home Podcast. This month, we are giving away two of our favorite family resources on the Sabbath. One is a children's book called Open the Church Doors, and the other is Parenting in the Pew by Robbie Castleman. Both of these books will help you and your children prepare for the joy of worship each and every Sunday. If you'd like more information, then please visit our Instagram page and look for the picture of the two books. There you can enter to win. Good luck!